Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, the ABA Journal's Lee Rawls, and today I am meeting with the author Mark Halpert. He's written the book LinkedIn Marketing Techniques for Law and Professional Practices. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. So I know a whole bunch of people who think that LinkedIn is something where you post your resume and then you just leave it alone and you go on about your life. And you have discovered that there are many more effective ways to use LinkedIn. So two-parter here, how did you come to be so interested in LinkedIn as a platform and how did you come to write this book for attorneys and other professionals? Well, 12 years ago, about the time we had the last economic downturn in my other business that I currently run, um, I was looking for more clients and couldn't find them. And a friend of mine called me and said, there's this thing called LinkedIn. You got to get rid of those three mighty Rolodexes on your desk. And I used to have three Rolodexes. One was the good guy Rolodex. The other was the medium guy Rolodex. And the other was a group of people that if I lost their card or or threw away their card, I'd never find them or think about them again. I won't tell you if you're listening to me and you know me, which Rolodex you were in. But I needed to merge all these Rolodexes. And in the 9-11 period and in the last tsunami and economic downfall and everything else that happened in this country, people started to move around. And I couldn't track them anymore. And I needed something that gave me live up-to-date contact with the people I had nurtured all my career. And this guy said, LinkedIn's a thing for you because your, your cards and your Rolodex are stuck in time. They're like petrified. Like you said, if you leave your LinkedIn profile out there long enough, it gets petrified and you walk the way of the dinosaurs. And you don't want to do that. So you need to be out there and you need to be memorable and you need to click on people's memory every time you do something, every time you say something, every time you comment, every time you publish something, every time you speak on a podcast, you need to tell people that you're out there and you're alive and kicking and doing good things. So I got to learn more and more about LinkedIn from the user's point of view. And I went to enough classes and I listened to enough teachers, so-called teachers, give incorrect answers that I knew to be incorrect. I said, you know, this is silly. I'm spending a lot of money on my own to learn how to use LinkedIn. I know how to do it better than the teacher. I should be in front of that audience making money, teaching people how to use LinkedIn. And as LinkedIn has changed dramatically, it has kept me ever more relevant in what business people Lawyers, accountants, architects, nonprofit professionals, baby boomers, college students, people in all walks of life need to be doing on LinkedIn. And every one of my presentations, every one of my coaching sessions with my clients one-on-one is customized to what they need. And I have found a market and I have found an audience and I have found a voice. So why write a book that may give away some of your professional secrets? Because you'll never get from me something tied directly to you one-on-one in a book. This book, the first edition, was called A Field Guide to Using LinkedIn. The second edition goes so much further. I added 48% more brand new spanking material. A book is stuck in a time warp. At that moment, it is published, and it's, and it's all, the, all the requirements, the legal requirements, all the things you have to say in a book. It is known and, and understood to be correct as the time of publishing. But if you need to really step out and you need to be right in front on the cusp, you need to talk to a coach or a trainer. The use, you can use the book as a basis, which is totally fine, but I'm going to teach you things that are not in the book because this, that's only a bit of my knowledge of LinkedIn in this book. 
It's designed to speak to people who are reticent to really get started one-on-one. They learn better in a book. They learn better from the written word than they do from a Zoom call or from one-on-one conversation. When I, in the old days, when I used to sit with people in a room or in their office to teach them how to use LinkedIn. So you always need a book. And, you know, the book has become my largest business card because people say, oh, you wrote a book? You wrote a book for the ABA? That's really cool. How'd you do that? Well, there's a story. So there's all these things that a book really gives you in terms of precedence in the market. And there are a thousand LinkedIn coaches in the world and not many of them written a book. So I like to think of myself a little ahead of the pack. Now, you say that there's some 40% more material in here. The first edition came out in 2017. It's now 2021. That may seem like a short time period for my listeners. I can tell you from behind the scenes, a little lifting of the curtain to the ABA journal, we have seen a massive change in the amount of traffic we're getting from LinkedIn. So something has definitely happened in the past year or two, when it comes to LinkedIn and the way people are using it. But I personally didn't have a window into this. What do you think the difference is now? And how are you seeing people using LinkedIn effectively now? All right, let's start and answer that question in two ways. Pre-pandemic, lawyers were realizing that in order to develop new business, they needed to be visible to the lay community. So they had to be using LinkedIn. And I will say this, and it sounds self-serving, but the best and smartest law firms, whether they're solo practitioners or they're massive law firms and everything in between, are really interested in making themselves stand out from the competition on LinkedIn, pre-pandemic. Layer on top of that, the pandemic. Oh my God, this thing is just blown apart. Now all the rules are gone. And we're all working from home and we're all trying to be effective every which way we can. And soon we may go back to our business office. Soon we may not. So people have this need to communicate and touch each other in a more personal way during the pandemic. And hopefully we are soon to be post-pandemic in ways that they never could before. Globally, there are 756 million people on LinkedIn right now, three quarters of a billion professionals. Some are lawyers, but the vast majority are people who need lawyers. The people who lawyers need to speak to, to differentiate themselves from the rest of the noise that's out there. So the more you talk about yourself, and no matter what type of professional practitioner you are, entrepreneur like myself, multipreneur, lawyers who are investment counselors, lawyers who are accountants, lawyers who do other things, lawyers who've lapsed and left the law or have created some sort of small law firm or law practice on the side but are doing other practices. These are all ways that LinkedIn is the premier and seriously the only business marketing tool in the world. It is the big gorilla. You cannot avoid it. And there are people who say, and I believe this completely, if you're not on LinkedIn, you don't exist in the business world anymore. You have no presence. So to answer your question, pre-pandemic, it was needed. Post-pandemic, it's required. And during the pandemic, LinkedIn has developed many, many new and very powerful 
things, little things that you can use if you know what they are and where to find them and how to use them well. But you need to know how to use a power tool well, or you can either hurt yourself or not get the intended effect. I want to go back to one part of what you just said, which was you need to talk about yourself. Uh, I'm sure being a LinkedIn coach, you get to deal with a lot of people who, and I will admit to identifying with this, partially as a Midwesterner, you know, you're raised in a way that, you know, talking about yourself, what? No, I'm going to break out in hives. That's akin <laughs> to bragging and bragging is evil. How do you help people deal with that sort of instinctual initial reaction and make them realize uh, the benefits to talking about yourself and the best ways to do it. All right. The first step in that is to recognize that we were all raised not to talk about ourselves. And I say this on almost every podcast I'm on. People say, where did you learn to talk about yourself? I didn't learn. It was in me. I'm, I'm born of two New Yorkers. All right. We talk about ourselves whether you want to hear it or not. You get a family co uh, collection around, there's no airtime. Everybody's talking on top of everybody. It's the bad joke about families like that. But you look at my report cards as a kid, Mark needs to be quiet. Mark needs not to talk out loud. Mark needs to listen more than he talks. I've, I, I've never overcome that. And if you're an entrepreneur or entrepreneurially oriented or marketing, you need to be talking about yourself. And how do you do that? Well, you have to find your voice. And the first thing to find your voice is to give yourself permission to express your thought process. And for so many people, this is so hard. I have clients who say to me, I don't think anybody's really interested in what I have to say. Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> first error right there. If you're a professional practitioner or an entrepreneur and you don't think people want to hear what you have to say, close the shop. Now, save yourself the bleeding of the money as you wind down to zero, because you're just not going to make it. If you're an attorney, if you're an accountant, if you're this, if you're that, people want to know what's your special sauce. You need to know. You need to tell people, this is not what I do. And this is a big theme in my book. As you know, Lee, why do I do what I do? And if you need help, expressing your why. I'm going to send you to Simon Sinek to his book, Start With Why. And a lot of people don't learn from books, as I said before. You can watch his 18-minute YouTube. And if you like that, what you hear there, and you want help with Start With Why, you want to talk about why you do what you do, you need to come back to me. Because I'm going to interview you for the first 25, 30 minutes of a first session I do with my coaching clients. And I'm going to ask you some really hard questions. I did this yesterday with a woman in South Africa. And she said to me, I can't answer these questions. This culture does not teach us to talk about ourselves. Too bad. You have to answer the questions. At the end of the 25-minute purgatory, I said to her, you're done. You survived. You, you, you won the war. She said, you know, it wasn't that hard. Because as I listened to you ask me more questions based upon my questions, I realized I've got a tremendous story to tell. And every professional has a story to tell. It's three-pronged. Where did you come from in your past that makes you who you are today? Based upon where you came from who you are today, what can you promise your clients in their future? And if you embrace the continuum of time and expertise that comes with that time, and you can begin to express yourself in really smart, intelligent language, 
using the pronoun I and using powerful verbs as if you're making a presentation to a board of directors or a very savvy client, you can begin to get out from under the shell of not giving yourself permission to talk about yourself. Can you hear I feel adamantly about this? I can indeed. And I'm glad that you brought up someone who comes from a very different cultural background because we've seen studies that say you can be assertive in some ways if you are part of a majority population. Let's say you are a um, college-educated white man that if you come from a different demographic, maybe read differently. And I'm always a little bit concerned about that on LinkedIn. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that there are rewards to this technique, even if this isn't something that comes naturally to you or you have concerns about how this will come across based on your gender, your background, your ethnicity. Absolutely. And what I do, and I promise every client before we even start, is that this is going to be their personal narrative, their career narrative, their career story. There's a story in every one of us. There are many stories in every one of us. Lee, I don't know you well. I could never tell your story anywhere near as well as you could tell your own story. Why would I write your story? Why can't Lee write her own story? Now, you may need some help. So I like to say, I'm also like a tennis coach as your LinkedIn coach. Anybody can hit a tennis ball on a tennis racket. If you can't, you need better glasses. Okay, but you're not going to look good doing it. As your coach teaches you technique and etiquette and form and function and efficiency and the fine points of the game, you will play better. You will hit better. You will win a game. You will win a set. You will win a game, a tournament, but you have to practice after you finish working with the coach. So I'll teach you the rudiments and I'll make some comments and you'll say, I'll never say that, Mark. I could never say, okay, fine. I'll step back. I might challenge you to say it a little bit differently, a little bit less directly if direction is not your way, but I'm never going to let you use the passive voice. I'm never going to let you make your LinkedIn profile sound and look like you copy-pasted your resume into LinkedIn because it's the cheater's way and nobody works with a cheater. And I'm never going to let you say something that's going to be wrong. If you're funny, I want you to be marginally funny on your LinkedIn profile. If you're serious, you're going to be serious on your LinkedIn profile. But I'm not going to make it so heavy that it's dark. I'm going to work with you, whomever you are out there, I'm going to get to know you a little bit. I'm going to tell you what happens, Lee, and this is the most amazing thing. At the end of four 90-minute sessions with every client, they have one heck of a good LinkedIn profile. And we're really good friends because they've told me things that they probably don't tell a lot of people. They trust me. I'm a little bit psychiatrist. I'm a little bit English teacher. I'm a little bit tennis coach. I love this. I love getting people out from under themselves and out into the forefront. And then I feel I've helped them and I feel good about what I've done. So let's talk about what the most common pitfalls you see people tumbling into are. One, copy paste your resume. Death, no one reads it. Because it's not telling who you are today. It's telling what you used to do before. Number two, Talking Mr. Halpert's does this, or Mark does that. Who talks like that? You don't want somebody stuffy. 
especially if you're a layperson hiring a lawyer or hiring an accountant. You don't. You want somebody you can approach, you can speak to, you can relate to. So get rid of the misters or the misses. Get rid of the first name because no, I don't talk about myself as Mark. I talk about myself. As I said in the sentence, I, I. Another thing, as I said earlier, use intelligent verbs. Let's get rid of has, was, made, did. That's fifth grade. No one wants to hire a fifth grade educated person to represent them in court or in front of the IRS or to do their tax planning or their whatever it is that they're doing. You want somebody you can relate to who can articulate really complex topics in a simple, concise, and understandable way. We're looking for people we can relate to. You're also, as a LinkedIn profile writer about yourself, trying to eclipse the competition. Let the competition do all the things I told you they shouldn't, you shouldn't do. Stand past all the competition that looks and sounds the same. Another thing you do is make your LinkedIn profile complement your about me or your bio page on your website. Don't use two pieces of web real estate to say the exact same thing. That's one notch better than using your resume on your LinkedIn profile, but not a whole lot better. So all these things. And the last thing I'll say is offer quality on a consistent basis so people will notice you, will read you, will comment to you, will share your material, will refer you. They'll want to know more about you. Leave them thirsty for more. And then you get engagement. So when you talk about, you know, regular contributions, are you talking about writing what in the past would have been, say, a blog post on on your LinkedIn? What are you talking about when you say, you know, adding content consistently to a LinkedIn page? First thing I'm going to do after we get off this interview is I'm going to go onto LinkedIn, onto my homepage. I'm going to create a post that's going to say, just finished a one-hour interview with the American Bar Association and we'll find out when it's going to air. So keep ready and get ready. It's coming your way. And I'm talking about my book, and I'm talking about how best to use LinkedIn. And I'm going to tell people, I'm out there. I am sought after for the vision and the viewpoint I have. I read an article I like. This is a great article. I really like the way the author handles point number three that has to do with Best ways to use LinkedIn to make your branding resonate with a casual reader. And then I put the link to the article and I finish the, the post. And I say, what do you think? Have you had the same experience? Do you think this article is valid? Are there other areas that you think are more valid than, article, than item number three? I try to create conversation around it. So it's all these things that I try to make it a chronology of the th- professional things I'm involved in. So people will say, you know, that guy, Mark, he's got something going on here. You know, and I've got 20,000 followers on LinkedIn and you don't have to connect to me to follow me. So if you're listening out there and you don't want to connect to me, that's fine. Follow me. Every time I put something out new on LinkedIn, you're going to see it as a follower. I blog every business morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time about something that comes across my desk or my screen that I can put a LinkedIn twist, a LinkedIn lens on, and I can examine. Every Tuesday morning, it's a back-to-basics item. Every Some Fridays, it's a guest blogger. 
I am out there every day at least one or two times a day. That's how you get a voice and a following and people want to know more about you. Because what happens is they hear your name or they see something that you've put out there. They recognize something the way you write and they say, yeah, you know, he wrote something really good last week. He wrote something really good yesterday. And I also talk about coming soon. The following things are coming. So I, talk, I talk about, talked about the book. Hey, the book's coming out. It's, you know, I just got it reviewed and the, the testimonials are coming in. Look at the website, all that stuff. I let people know the 80-20 rule. 80% of what I do is about other people. Maybe 10 to 20% is going to be about me because I get to market me as well. And I'll have plenty of listeners who are attorneys or professionals who say, but Mark, I already feel so stressed and like there's so much on my plate uh, when it comes to work. Why is this something that's worth putting even more time into that maybe takes me away from uh, something I would want to do just in my personal life? Well, we're not necessarily talking about your personal life here. We're talking about your professional life here. You can put some personal things there, but you should put professional things there. You wrote an article. You want a case. Tell us. Because if you don't tell us, no one else will tell us. And we, if you don't tell us, you disappear. Because we forget about you. Because we're so attention deficit right now. So take a few minutes. Doesn't take much time. Some people, I say, set a timer. On a time when you get in the office early and it's quiet, you can spend about 10 minutes a day putting a few things up there on LinkedIn opining about what other people have said, commenting them, patting them on the back verbally, never a like. That's the lazy way. Don't give them a thumbs up. Don't give them the clapping hands. Tell them congratulations or bravo Lee, cool job. Or congratulations on your fifth anniversary at your company. They're lucky to have you. How long does that take? Not very much time. How much mileage do you get out of it? A ton. And keep the conversation going. LinkedIn is the conversational water cooler for three quarters of a billion business professionals. You're not going to talk to all of them at once, but you're going to talk to some of them and you can really get a lot of mileage when you put something out there that people either haven't thought about before, need a review about, or something new that's coming in your field. And I'm always doing that. Let's talk about connections because There are a number of things that I think about when it comes to connecting on LinkedIn. Uh, There's, of course, you know, when someone you don't know tries to connect with you and you say to yourself, well, this person seems to have an interesting background, but I don't know you. Um, I personally only do a connection with someone I know. And you say in the book that that's, that's your policy, too. But I know that there are also plenty of people who say, oh, you want to connect with me? Great. And they hit accept for everything. And then there's also, how do I reach out to someone who I would be interested in speaking more to or getting to know, but don't already have an existing connection with? Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll just hand it over to you. Uh, how do you, how do you, how do you socialize question. on LinkedIn? <laughs> That's a huge question. Remind me of the third part of the three-part question you asked. Truly. Me because I'm going to go off on my, you know, my, on my soapbox here. Okay, so let's start with why you don't connect to just anybody. And the reason for that is, let's use a metaphor. Someone rings your doorbell at your home. Do you open the door and let them in? Don't you want to know what they want, how you can help them, how they can help you? So I just don't connect to anybody. 
So I get tons of these, and you're probably, if you're listening to me, you're going to say, I want to connect to this guy. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if you try to connect to me, I'm not going to accept. Period. I vet and qualify every one of my connections. I have 3,400 connections right now. I know 3,400 great, incredible people. Do I need 756 million connections? Absolutely not. I can barely handle 3,000 connections. I can't keep everybody nurtured. My job is to nurture my connections. It's a two-way street. I help you, you help me. But if you ring my doorbell and you don't tell me how you can help me and I can't perceive it, I'm not letting you in. So let's make a rule. Let's stop with the boilerplate, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn message because it tells me nothing. It makes me work hard to want to connect with you. I'm busy too. Now, if you want to go past that and you want to send me a private message as part of the connection request, tell me, I heard you on this podcast. I would like to know how we can work together. Tell me what's in it for me or where you had a question about something I said that wasn't clear. I'm happy to give more information. I'm going to try to make it a sales-oriented call because that's what I'm here to do. I'm an entrepreneur. That's my job. But I'm going to look and see who are you connected to already that I know already. Give you a great example. Buddy of mine in Amsterdam. Woman in Amsterdam tried to connect with me. I saw she was connected to my buddy in Amsterdam. I contacted my buddy in Amsterdam. He said, I don't know. Don't know much about her. Okay. Not Then why should I bother? All right? He had what I call promiscuously connected to that woman. They didn't know anything about each other. He couldn't answer, why should I connect to her? So he didn't feel real good about that. And I didn't real, feel real good about that. So I keep, I just like to everybody to feel professionally intelligent about the way they connect. And here's the biggest downside. You connect to somebody, they can see every one of your connections. And I hear stories of lawyers who've had their contacts poached or their clients poached from their LinkedIn connections, and that's a great way to do it. So don't just let anybody into your house. Contact them on Zoom. Email them. Ask them how I can help you. I want to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish so we can both benefit. I'll just also jump in here and warn people that there are plenty of fake profiles on LinkedIn. And one of the ways that they're able to establish themselves, even though this is not a legitimate person, are the people who just say, oh, yep, accept. And I'm, I'm not going to put anyone on blast. But this certainly has happened even within our organization. I'll see, oh, connected to two people who you work with. And I'll pull it up and I'll be like, this person doesn't exist. They don't work for us. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a real human. <laughs> This this fraud everywhere. I mean, for for months and months, I was connect I'm being asked to connect to every hairdresser in Ghana. <laughs> well, look at my picture, folks. I don't need a hairdresser in Ghana. There's not a lot of people I can refer to a hairdresser in Ghana. And so I would report these and people and block them because they had all gone to the University of Maryland in Baltimore. Can't be impossible. And it's starting again. I had one yesterday that I, she was liking absolutely everything I had written for the past three months. And I had to block her because it was really getting ridiculous. It was making me look bad because once she likes all my things, other people see her and they say to me, who is this person? I said, I don't know. If I let it go on, I look like I'm asleep at the switch. So I don't connect or even want to know people that either are fakes 
try to sell me before they even get to know me. And we've all had that. Hi, I've got this amazing way to scrape all your data on LinkedIn and give you 10,000 new connections so you can make business calls that you've never been able to do in a way before. No thanks, because I get that all day long anyway. So be real on LinkedIn. Give a personal note that says, I saw you wrote this article and I thought it was really interesting. I'd like you to know I passed it along to three or four other people. They may be in touch with you. Here are their names. Give me, that's just good, intelligent business. We talked about how letting someone engage on your page or connecting with them when you don't really know them very well can be sort of an implicit endorsement of them. But there are explicit ways to endorse someone on LinkedIn. And I certainly have been asked for recommendations before. This takes up a couple chapters of your book. Let's talk (laughs) about endorsements. What are they good for? What should you consider when you're asking other people for them? And what should you consider when you are giving recommendations to other people? Okay, so let's differentiate between endorsements and recommendations from the LinkedIn point of view. An endorsement is somebody clicking that they endorse you for a skill that you have listed. Lawyers, financial planners, listen up. Do not allow anybody to endorse you for a skill that they have not seen you provide because the bar associations look, and many of the smaller state and local bar associations as well, are looking askance as that being erroneous advertisement. That's very important to know. And very, very, very important. (laughs) For example, in my own life, maybe tell your Aunt Mary, who has not experienced your editing skills, that she doesn't have to, you know, click the little recommendation on your on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, good point. There are a lot of people who think that by clicking an endorsement of every single skill that you have, that somehow they're helping you. That's not helping you. You are responsible. Everybody listening. You are responsible for the accuracy of what you say and what other people imply or actually say on your LinkedIn profile. No one else is responsible but you. You are responsible for being truthful in everything you do. Again, listen up, lawyers. Listen up, financial planners, because you're the ethics rules in the bar, as well as the compliance officers in the financial institutions are looking at this very, very carefully. All right, let's go to recommendations. Recommendations are things that you actually ask somebody to write on your behalf, and I suggest you have them write it about a situation in which they saw you excel with like a story theme, but it has to be truthful. Now, again, lawyers, listen up. It cannot say, I saw Mark argue a case in front of the federal court like no one else I have ever seen or could ever win that case. It has to be substantiated within the fact, not within permit, uh, the opinion of the writer. So you really want to be careful. I don't want to go into a very long tirade about the ethics rules. The chapter written in my book by Carol Greenwald, who's an expert in this, is a guest chapter, is really good. So I am not trying to sell you the book. I'm trying to tell you where you can get a really great study on the ethics rules. As far as financial institution compliance, ask your compliance officer. I know a compliance officer and I ask him all the time, how many people come to you and ask, can I say this? Or what do you think of this recommendation? And he says, no one ever asks me, can I? They're expecting me to have that negative 
job of saying, you can't do that, stop. Well, if you open a conversation with a compliance person and they're a person too, they got feelings, ask them, how far can we go with this? What do you suggest I say or not say within the rules that you administer? Make it conversational. So the difference between a skill endorsement and a recommendation is the degree of detail and who initiates. Again, I want to reiterate the point. You, in your profile, are responsible for everything that's on it. No one can put anything on your profile that you did not allow to be there. So at the end of the day, it is on you to monitor your profile on a regular basis and ensure that everything you say and everything anybody else implies in a skill endorsement or actually says in words in a recommendation is true. If it is not you can go back to them and ask them to amend the recommendation and do it before the ethics police find you, and you can disable them from being a skill endorser if they don't know you for that skill. All right, I will step off my soapbox. I feel strongly about this because it's a big deal right now. Well, we so far have been talking about personal profiles and pages, but Many people, especially, say, who are solos or in fairly small firms, may find themselves responsible for their firm's LinkedIn page as well. And you do differentiate in your book and you have some advice for maintaining that. So I'd love for you to give a couple tips to people whose job it is to not only have their own personal LinkedIn page current, but also their their firm or, you know, whatever their business is, that they're also maintaining that page. So I'm a solo, not a lawyer, but I'm a solo entrepreneur. I have multiple businesses in my entrepreneurship. So, and many of you do out there as well, but I'll just, let's talk about solo to make it simple, but you can extrapolate this for multiple businesses. If you're a solo attorney practicing, your personal profile page is where you use the pronoun I, and you talk about yourself personally, professionally, but about yourself as a person. On your company profile page is where you talk about your firm, and I suggest you use the pronoun we as opposed to I, because you may be the only person in the room right now, but you also have people you rely upon as vendors and experts and other people that you speak to on a regular basis that makes you who you are today. So we is very reasonable to use. But don't repeat the same things on your company profile page that you said on your personal profile page because the company profile page is about the firm as a whole. So talk about something that the firm participated in. Maybe you're a sponsor of some board or you're doing something as the firm for identity for the firm. Maybe you want to talk about a press release that you have from the firm. You can put that on your on your company profile page. You can have a theme every month of a topic of your area of expertise that you can focus on every month on your company profile page. You can reload or reissue articles you've written elsewhere on your company profile page. People will search for you or your firm or a combination thereof. And you want to be found in more than just one place because that's one place is a zero-sum game and multiple places is a better way to be found. 
The search function on LinkedIn, again, I go into this in the book, is a very valuable, positive place where if you use the right search terms throughout your various two profiles, you can be found by people who might not even know you exist and then can engage with you accordingly. And speaking of being found, that's a whole chapter as well uh, on (laughs) recruiters and how a recruiter looks at LinkedIn pages. So not to get too deep in the weeds, and people can always pick up the book, which again is LinkedIn Marketing Techniques for Law and Professional Practices. But yeah, a recruiter's viewpoint on LinkedIn strategy. What what did you have to share with people? Recruiters want to get you in about 10 seconds. You've got several nanoseconds to make them want to read beyond your headline. You have to use the right keywords because recruiters have a very expensive product from LinkedIn called LinkedIn Recruiter, good name, right, that they spend a lot of money for. They want to use it, and they use that tool very effectively, and they're really good. So you want to be found through search terms on your headline, in your about section, in your experience. Skills are searchable as well. And using hashtags. And that's a whole other thing we haven't spoken about. So here we go. Um, so recruiters really want to get that you are worth considering on a long list. Then they might call you or send you an in-mail, which is something they can send just to you, a private message, though they don't know you or not connected to you on LinkedIn. They say, I have a opening in this area of the law, in a large law firm, in whatever city it may be. Is this something that you might consider? Uh, They might attach a attachment that might have the job description to it. And they always, if they're smart recruiters, they end the in-mail and says, if this is not something that you're interested in, might you know somebody else that you could refer us to? Because they want to get the most bang out of the buck. So you really need to be aware if you're looking for a job, and this is the great migration right now, a lot of lawyers may move around and a lot of professional practitioners are moving around right now post-pandemically, you want to take advantage of every opportunity that somebody says, you might look like a good candidate for this position we are recruiting for. It may not work right now, but if you go on their list of potential candidates, you might find something they might contact you for a few months from now. And Mark, you mentioned that we have not yet addressed hashtags, and we really should. So lay it on me. Why should I be using hashtags on LinkedIn? Because there are 576 million people that might just share multiple interests that you have if you invoke a hashtag in a post. Let's say I'm writing a post right after, I said before, I'm right after this interview. I'm going to use hashtag interview, hashtag legal recruiting. Hashtag ethics in the law. Hashtag lawyer responsibility. Anybody who's following any of those hashtags is going to see my post pop up on their screen, though I've never met them before. I've ne- they've never heard of me before. But we are connected because we share a similar interest through the hashtag. It's just like what you have on Twitter. It's exactly the same concept but it's only for the LinkedIn community. So people see you using a hashtag, want to know, well, that's an interesting post. I wonder what this 
interview is going to be about. I might listen to that interview and I hope they might buy that book or they hope they might call me and contact me to help them get out from under themselves and express themselves better as their LinkedIn coach. It all is designed to market myself to the broadest spectrum of serious people who want to do better for themselves where they have found my work and expression to be somewhat interesting to consider me to help them. Hashtags are a huge opportunity that most people do not use. Well, Mark, there is so much more we could get into about this, but fortunately, uh, I think that many of the listeners could find this out if they go to your your LinkedIn page or, or one of your sites. If they are interested in hearing more about what you have to say about LinkedIn and strategies for using it or buying the book, where should they go? Well, the best place is my LinkedIn profile. There's a giant surprise, right? Mark (laughs) Halpert. So the name is Mark, M-A-R-C, middle initial W, H-A-L-P-E-R-T. So you can go to linkedin.com forward slash in, I-N, forward slash Mark Halpert, M-A-R-C-H-A-L-P-E-R-T. That'll take you to my LinkedIn page. Every way you need to contact me is there. Lots of connections to finding my book on the ABA website or on Amazon. It'll be there August 23rd. Uh, It'll be on Kindle August 23rd on Amazon as well. So the paper version, you can find my blog uh, URL and you can subscribe to my free blog 8 a.m. every morning. You can call me, you can Zoom me, you can email me every, every which way that I communicate is listed there for you to get a hold of me. Now, I don't expect everybody just want to get a hold of me. I have to earn my keep. So you keep watching, but you can follow me on LinkedIn and you will see everything I put out there every day, multiple times a day. And you will see the value that a lot of people think I bring to the table. So it's been a wonderful experience for me to spend a year writing the second edition of the book. So much richer, so much up more up to date. I've learned in the four years since the first edition so much more that I bring to the table. I've got chapters in there that we haven't even spoken about, like the concept, Japanese concept of ikigai to get to the core of what makes you who you are today, or how to use emotional intelligence on LinkedIn, or any of the other guest chapters other than the one that Carol Greenwald wrote, all really valuable, how to work with a recruiter and how to make your LinkedIn profile part of your marketing strategy written by Sandra Baycourt. These are really important topics that people need to be focusing on right now because the pandemic is about to take us to the crest of the economic wave that's been swirling around and ready to let loose. And you need to be in the mix and you need to be marketing yourself now. You can't wait till the wave has passed you. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing what you had to say with me and with my listeners. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Law Library please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.